welcome to the Too Legit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fernandez, and oh man, oh man, what a weekend in sports. I apologize. Thank you for your patience. I was sick last week. I had to go on hiatus for about a week. Had that whooping cough. I had incredible congestion. I could barely speak. It it was uh, brutal. I tried to record a podcast last week, and it just did not sound very good at all really it, it wasn't it was not usable it went straight to the trash had to recover all week because this past weekend Saturday it went down Giannis Antetokounmpo I got to see Giannis take on the Los Angeles Clippers in a Saturday matinee and look I've seen Cleveland LeBron I've seen Miami Heat LeBron I've seen Kobe Shaq Dwight all these dudes in person Giannis Antetokounmpo is an alien he does not make sense when they throw him alley oops and he just keeps jumping and he does the euro step into the left-handed dunk it didn't make sense he had everybody out on their feet out of their seat and stomping their feet if i wanted to make it rhyme but it was an incredible game the clippers shout out to the clippers they got the w though for that early game la nightlife is still undefeated we'll get into some more nba talk later in the pod, I think we should drop some tunes and then we'll get talking on the NFL schedule, the slate. We had Ram Seahawks, we had a lot of poop fest, we had Tom Brady doing his thing, we'll talk about all that. Then we'll dive into the NBA trade talk, the speculation, the holy crap injuries, and the good news for Karis LeVert. We will end the show with a little UFC talk. There was a crazy knockout this weekend, we're going to get into the championship rounds. We also got to talk some pro wrestling. I'm getting some requests for pro wrestling. I'm going to have to feature that in the championship rounds. Especially because Brock Lesnar, that crossover. Ronda Rousey, that crossover. But that Yair Rodriguez knockout will be the highlight of the championship rounds. Folks, today's episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. Make sure to subscribe wherever you consume the content. Drop the music and let's get the show started. The NFL season is rapidly coming to an end. It's almost Thanksgiving, and then it'll be Christmas, and it'll be over for about, what, 70% of the league? Crazy. NFL comes comes and goes so quick. We got to talk about the Rams and the Seahawks. Who else would I start with? I'm going to talk LA Rams. The Seahawks came to town. It was a great game. Shout out to the Seahawks uh, for covering. They covered. They, they got the point. It was 10-point spread. Shout out to the Seahawks. They scored late. Vegas was up in arms. Nevertheless, the over was done. And the Rams, you know, they, they look always going to look good on offense. The defense is looking suspect right now. I need to lead the comeback ASAP. Dante Fowler is doing some things. Donald is getting there, but the defense still has some weaknesses. Now the Seahawks, I don't know what they're where they're at right now with four and five. Can they sneak into the NFC wildcard? It's going to be tough. I don't know where the Seahawks go from here. They were semi-rebuilding, but now they're all healthy. The thing is, everybody's healthy. Can they pull off some? Can they, can they pull off a crazy run? But nevertheless, the Rams are still back. They're tied with New Orleans for the one seed in the NFC, and we got that game next week in Mexico City. The Chiefs and the Rams, the game of the year, Monday night for the first time in I think what five years. When was the last time you you looked at a Monday night game and you're like, whoa, that game right there is going to be something serious. There's been Thanksgiving games more popular and more hyped up than Monday night schedule has been for the past five years. 
It's crazy. They And when they finally get the Chiefs and the Rams on their network on ESPN with Joe Tessitore and Jason Witten live in prime time, Jared Goff versus Pat Mahomes. And all kinds of offense versus all kinds of offense. A shootout, not in the Coliseum, not in KC, but in Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. Now, the field is in bad shape guys the field is in horrific shape if you look at the photos it's in bad shape they are protesting they are strongly considering moving this game to the coliseum because it's an la home game on the schedule so they deserve the game and wow monday night they're gonna make a ton of money selling these tickets last second they i see how roger Goodell cannot leave uh mexico in the, in the dust like that but if the field is bad and you have all these young stars why risk it why risk all this injury, possibility, probability, whatever word you want to say, blasphemous. It is blasphemous that Roger Goodell wants to have this game on the soil. It just worked out to where these two teams are really good. I'll tell you what, if it was the Browns and the Jaguars on Monday night, you're not hearing a peep. You're not hearing a peepity peep. But the fact that it is a Super Bowl preview, and I, you got to dig that it's on a neutral site. A Super Bowl preview on a mediocre field where guys can get hurt, it's all bad. I personally hope that they move it to L.A. so I can sneak into that game, but they're going to have to honor that because people bought tickets, people bought flights. It's a huge thing. They're going to make that game happen, whether we like it or not. Or they can flex it. Can they flex it? Can Roger Goodell flex it on somebody and be like, uh, let me pull up next week's slate real quick. What's next week's schedule looking like? Who can we flex to Mexico City? Okay, Roger Goodell, Commissioner Goodell, the commission, I got it for you right now. Raiders, Cardinals, move that game to Mexico City, have the Chiefs and the Rams come back to L.A., and it's all good. It's all gravy. There's probably no way that's happening, but it's arguably the best-case scenario that can happen right now for the NFL. Speaking of the best-case scenario for the NFL, the Patriots, they shit the bed. They had a poop fest. They have one of these a year. It's either against the Browns or a random team. They had a poop fest this year against the 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 Tennessee Titans. Matt Vrabel, a former coordinator under Bill Belichick. It's not a surprise that uh, Matt Patricia in Detroit and Mike Vrabel in, in Tennessee getting those big Ws over Tom Brady. They know Tom Brady's secrets. They know his voodoo. They know his avocado roll diet to a T. And they shut down Tom Brady. He didn't have a single... Touchdown this weekend, 24-10 was the final score. Malcolm Butler was was in his big boy stance. You know he had to love it. You know he had to love it, shoving it up Bill Belichick's ass after benching him in the Super Bowl. Good for the Titans. The Titans can now sneak into the playoffs. We got to talk about the Titans and the Colts. The Colts are a sneaky playoff team. Andrew Luck is back. They're not giving up any sacks. And you have Quentin Nelson yelling war cries <laughs> while he's blocking people. You can make the argument that that is an illegal hit, what he did on my guy on Jacksonville. But he had the war cry, and he's an offensive lineman. Notre Dame grad. It has to happen for Quentin Nelson. Play that clip one more time, please. <laughs> Incredible sound. On the other side of that coin, Jacksonville is an effing mess. What the heck happened? They fell off a cliff. This happens to teams that get so close to the Super Bowl, they can they can almost taste the promised land, and then they fall off a cliff. They committed to Bortles. The defense hates it. You got Jalen Ramsey out here 
Mr. Uninterrupted, Mr. Hockey, a.k.a. Mr. Tweets. He was tweeting yesterday saying, y'all are going to miss him when he's gone. I get it. We're going to miss the shutdown corner. We're going to miss talking that talk. We're going to miss the, the funny locker room interviews. I'm talking like I'm a Jacksonville fan. If I was Jacksonville Jack, just call me Jacksonville Jack. I'm a fan of the Jaguars. Call me Jacksonville Jack. Jacksonville Jack would say this. Yeah, you were cool. Yeah, you were a lockdown corner. Yes, we went to the AFC Championship. Yes, you were funny in the post-game interviews. You talked that talk. You walked that walk. But the Jacksonville Jaguars were nothing before Jalen Ramsey came. They were nothing while he's playing. And they'll probably still be nothing after he leaves. And he signs with the Kansas City Chiefs for a ridiculous contract in the offseason. That's Jacksonville Jacks. Scorching hot take on the Jaguars. The Browns beat the Falcons. Matt Ryan is having great numbers. Him and Julio are kind of dry. I don't know what happened. Maybe they're having maybe they're having dice problems. Maybe Matt Ryan won a dice game or two and Julio doesn't want to pay. Who knows? I don't know. I don't want to speculate anything. But their defense is sorry as hell. They have a defensive coach, right? The, the head coach is a defensive guy. Their defense is sorry as hell. Baker Mayfield looked great. Look at the quarterbacks again this year. Look at the, look at look at how look Jameis Winston I think looked great against Atlanta. All these guys look great against Atlanta. Baker Mayfield lit it up, and the Falcons are probably done. Got to talk quickly about the Saints. They're out of their mind right now. They're number one team. I love my Rams, but the Saints right now putting up 51 on the road like some savages. It's like some straight gangsters. Drew Brees wants that MVP trophy. It shocks me that Drew Brees has never won an MVP. He's put himself in the driver's seat. They're 8-1 right now, tied with the Rams, but they have the tiebreaker. Got to see what happens there. Nightcap of Sunday night. Everybody thought the Cowboys were going to get mopped up by the Eagles. Everybody thought Philadelphia at home Sunday night, all black, live NBC, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, the reigning and defending Super Bowl champions were going to beat down America's team. And that wasn't the case. The Cowboys cannot make up their mind. They came out and they got the W in, in the link, Lincoln Financial Field. And the Cowboys can may win that division. They may win that division. Washington is still on top. But the Cowboys have an identity crisis. One week, they want to fire Jason Garrett and they want to look like horse shit. The next week, they want to look like world beaters and division winners. It's like Jason Garrett is trying to go 7-9 or 8-8. Eight eight. Like That's his goal. He wants to win the division with eight wins. And that way you can't let him go. He's like, ah, you can make the case. He has a lot of arguments that he should stay as the coach. Monday night game, Eli playing for his quarterback life against Nick Mullins. Didn't watch a second of it. On paper, it was a horrific game. I think Eli Manning actually looked good for the first time this year. So that's a positive. The highlight of the game was OBJ dancing with Marquise Goodwin. And Marquise Goodwin's sister before that was an amazing go check out the clip. Good guy OBJ. That was the best part of the game, in my opinion. I didn't have to watch a second of a I didn't have to watch a snap. I didn't have to watch an audible after seeing that on my feed. Gotta look at the power rankings right now. My final four is gotta be Saints, Rams, and Chiefs, Steelers. Those are the four best teams right now. The top two in the NFC and the top two in the AFC. You gotta put New England at number five right now. Not looking hot, but when the playoffs come, it's something serious. 
here's what people don't realize. Tom Brady needs that bye week, and he needs that that home that home field advantage. Tom Brady on the road in the playoffs, not that great. Home game, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable at Gillette. He's coming in sharp like a GQ model with his family in the suite. You're not beating that guy. On to the association. Jimmy Butler has finally been traded. I love this trade right now for both sides. Let's let's break it down for Tom Thibodeau, who's probably not going to be there at the end of the season. But Dario Saric, great piece, can shoot the three, has a little more time to develop, can come off the bench. And you got Rocco, Robert Cummington, a two-way defensive guy, young, can shoot, and he'll lock down people. He's going to help Wiggins and Towns. And I think it's a great acquisition. And if you look at Philadelphia, they can get a sample of the Jimmy Butler buffet that he brings. And for the Sixers, they're getting a taste of the Jimmy Butler buffet. They get to see the many angles, the many flavors of Jimmy Butler, and they can choose to re-sign him or let him go. Embiid and Simmons are going to be the top two options no matter what. I don't mind if Jimmy Butler is the second leading scorer, but and the ball is going to go through Embiid and Simmons. Those are the guys. Those are the franchise cornerstones, the pillars for the Sixers. And now Jimmy Butler is there to put it over the top. He is the number three, but he's going to lead. He's going to be the second guy in points for sure. Not only does this trade put him in contention for the finals, but also they have a chance to make another move. They can trade Markel Fultz and another pick. Maybe something stashed away overseas as well. And they can acquire another key player. The process is over in Philadelphia. Once you trade Markel Fultz, you get rid of those yips. I mean, did you see him shoot that free throw yesterday? He pump faked a free throw. I don't know what's going on anymore with Markel Fultz. I think he needs a fresh start with some fresh shooting coaches, a fresh environment. Look for Washington. I, even though Washington and Philly probably will never make a trade, maybe Phoenix is out there waiting for Fultz. Somebody will take. Somebody will make that trade for Markel Fultz. Orlando, that's the that's the play to make now for 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 Philadelphia is to find that next trade. And I just want to remind everybody that they traded a first round pick and Jason Tatum basically for Markel Fultz. Last night, the Warriors and the Clippers. Got down at the Staples Center. It was the game of the night. The Clippers are winning the whole time. And the Warriors just decided to play the last five minutes. The last five minutes, the Warriors went on an 11-0 run. And the Clippers did not score a single point. The Clippers had their backs against the ropes. They were ready to take an eight count. They were just about done. Clay Thompson was in there being a bad, bad boy. Kevin Durant had a trip. Had a triple-double before he fouled on overtime. Oh, wait a minute. Did I just say overtime? Yes, I did. Let's take it back. Lou Williams, final seconds, fourth quarter. He misses the shot. Draymond Green gets the rebound. Now, I got to talk about the clapper. No, not Jason Garrett. The clapper, Kevin Durant. He was clapping for the ball. He wanted to take that ball, and he wanted to take it back to Oklahoma City, and he thought this was ISO ball. Give me the ball with six six seconds left. I hit the dagger, and we celebrate at the steakhouse in front of Chesapeake Energy Arena. Kevin Durant, this is not Oklahoma City. This is Golden State. Draymond Green gets that rebound, and he wants to push that ball all the way to the cup and have shooters fill the lanes. What Clay was doing and what he expected Durant to do and what Steph would do if he was on the court. 
Durant even as the trailer is extremely dangerous. A top of the key three or a pull up from the free throw line, unguardable. It was a clash of styles. The Durant dagger style versus the Draymond push it and shoot the open jumper style. And that led to an argument on the bench during the end of regulation. Durant just wanted the damn ball at the end of the day. Just give him the ball. He's the best player on the court. And he wants to shoot it and win the game and shut everybody up. He wants to point to Jimmy Goldstein and give him the shh. He wants to look at Steve Ballmer and give him a dirty look, even though he's considering the Clippers. He wants to look at Jerry West and be like, oh, man, I love you, Jerry West, but look what I just did. But, eh, eh. And he was very mad he didn't get that moment. Boogie Cousins, of all people, Boogie Cousins is the peacemaker in all this, which I love. He had to pull Draymond out of there, pull him out of the huddle. And it got heated, apparently it got heated all the way back to the locker room. Meanwhile, the Clippers won the game. Durant fouled out in overtime, still got his triple-double. And then we fast-forward it to the locker room. Got a little emotional, apparently according to the ESPN guys, according to Mark Spear, Mark J. Spears of ESPN. They got into it about the final play. Draymond defended himself as he should. Durant defended himself as he should. Both guys were not available for media. They ducked out of there super quick. They were already on the jet, back to the bay. Uh, before everybody got into the locker room. Sean Livingston, the veteran, he broke it down. Guys get a little emotional. I get it. They're saying it's the biggest argument or uh, or uh, explosion or whatever uh, in the Golden State er uh, era. I don't know. I love that Klay Thompson just stays in his lane and just stays out of it. Nobody wants to talk, talk to Klay Thompson about it. He does his thing. I'm giving Klay Thompson an 80% chance at coming to the Lakers. I think he's coming to the Lakers. A good shot he's coming to the Lakers. Big shout out to Montrez Harrell. He's an animal. The, the Rockets could really use that guy right now, uh, but they traded him for Chris Paul. Montrezl Harrell is a super underrated player. The Clippers are a good team. They're fun to watch. They're going to fight for a playoff team, but if they just tanked it up, they could trade like six guys for first-round picks if they really just wanted to pull the rug out. Montrezl Harrell, 20-point games, 9-10 rebounds. He's a stud, and he just works hard. Shout-out to Montrezl Harrell. I'd love to eat Serbian food with you and Boban one day, and Toby is invited as well. So if this gets to Montrez Harrell, big ups. The Lakers are 3-0 in the Tyson Chandler era. LeBron called out his boy. He said, hey, yo, James Jones, who's working now as the, as the general manager of Phoenix. He said, James Jones, you were with me in Miami, and you were with me in Cleveland. We went to six straight finals. We won three championships together. Buddy, listen, you got a job for life in Phoenix and Miami, and heck, if you need to come here, you can come here too. But I'm going to need you to buy out Tyson Chandler. For no reason, 10 games into the season, I'm going to need you to buy out Tyson Chandler. And he's going to say, why do I need to buy out Tyson Chandler? He said, because I need a rim protector. And he said, I was listening to Too Legit with Alex Fernandez. And he said that Tyson Chandler is the number one guy on his power rankings. Number two is Joe Kim Noah. And I don't want Joe Kim Noah. I don't like him because he makes fun of Cleveland. And number three is Robin Lopez. And I don't know. I don't want to deal with Robin Lopez. That's a lot of headaches right there. I already got Lance Stevenson. So James Jones said, okay, cool, I'll make it happen. And sure enough, Tyson Chandler is what they needed. Tyson Chandler is the rim protector, a smart 18-year vet, knows sets, knows scenarios, knows playoffs, knows how to win basketball games. Lakers-Hawks this Sunday night should not even been that close. LeBron missed the free throws yet again. That's becoming a thing that nobody's talking about. Then he dunks it, and then... End of the game, Trey Young gets by Ingram. I mean, on a great crossover, and Trey Young thought this was the Big 12. He thought he was playing Iowa State on a Tuesday night, and he wanted to lay up that floater. And Tyson Chandler said, eh, eh. he blocked it. LeBron James was the happiest man 
in the arena. He was hugging Tyson Chandler. He saved his bacon yet again. And the Lakers are looking like a complete team. There, there are trades to be made. December 15th is the big day, about a month from now, when all the free agents are available to be traded. Heard from the rumor mill is that the Wizards and the Lakers were discussing John Wall for Lonzo, Ingram, and Contavious Caldwell. Pope, I say no thanks. Look at John Wall's contract. It's out of control. He's not shooting at a high clip. He's at the Rose Bar all night, according to Stephen A. Smith. If you put John Wall in L.A. for the whole year with his contract, can you imagine the damage he's going to do on Melrose? It's going to be incredible. The site TMZ will profit off of the John Wall trade more than anybody else. But as a Lakers fan, I'm going to need John Wall to stay in D.C. Now, Bradley Beal is another question. I don't know if they want to move Beal yet. I don't know if they want to move move Beal for ball and all this other stuff, especially with Klay Thompson waiting in the wings. The Wizards are in no man's land right now. They're not going to fire their coach. So they're going to have to make a trade. They're probably going to trade Oubre or Marcus Morris and get some picks out of that. I'd like to see Kelly Oubre on the Lakers or Kelly Oubre on the Sixers. Something's going to go down real soon for the Wizards. And I expect the trade to come down as well for the Boston Celtics. Terry Rozier, where is he going to go? The offense is not clicking at all. It's not even on the second cylinder right now in Boston. I'm looking out for those trades out there in the East in the Atlantic division. Carmelo Anthony, my guy Carmelo. I love me some Carmelo. Hoodie Mellow, Olympic Mellow, Syracuse Mellow, Denver Mellow, New York Mellow. I'm a big Carmelo Anthony guy. But Carmelo Anthony and the Rockets are no more after 10 games. And there's a lot of different hot takes right now. Because how can Carmelo Anthony ruin a team after 10 games? There se- it seems like there's a lot of people with big contracts who don't want to take the blame on the Rockets uh, pooping it out of the gate. So they're all saving their ass, and they're making Carmelo Anthony the scapegoat. I understand Carmelo Anthony doesn't shoot that well anymore. He's not what he used to be, and he's not playing great. I understand that. But Carmelo, it's not Carmelo Anthony's fault that the Rockets' defense is atrocious. They should have signed Luke Sharmamute and Trevor Reza. Even though Trevor Reza is not playing that hot in in, uh, in Phoenix, rather, if you look at the numbers. But still, they had the system. They had a good thing going, a good thing working. And Carmelo Anthony was there to put up some buckets and spread the floor. Not out there to be a three, not out there to be a defensive switcher like P.J. Tucker. Steven Jackson, former Warrior basketball analyst, even said that they're trying to blackball Carmelo Anthony from the league and just make him retire. Make his ass go to Shanghai. Like on some deep stuff right there. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. Can Carmelo help out a contender? Could Carmelo go to the Spurs? Could Carmelo go to Miami? Carmelo go to Boston? I think there's some suitors for Carmelo unless he's getting that black ball treatment. I don't know why. I don't know why. Black, he's, it's not like he's making $35 million a year. He's on a, on a veteran minimum. I hope Carmelo stays in the league. He deserves better than this. He does not deserve to go out like a punk like this. Carmelo deserves better, damn it. And I think LeBron... He is like the the emergency blanket. He will sign Melo just to sit on the bench with Mo Wagner and just hang out. Because Carmelo ain't going to Shanghai. Not on LeBron's watch. Finally, a somber but good story. Karis LeVert last night appeared to have one of the most gruesome injuries you ever see. If you saw the the ankle injury, if you saw the clip, you'd think he's done until 2020. It was just as bad if not worse than the Gordon Hayward injury 
ankle exploded from what it looked like. But we get the news this morning that it's just a dislocation, which is, it's still, it's still bad. But that means he'll be able to come back on the court and resume basketball activities this season. So big ups to Karis LeVert. Literally a miracle. They're going to pop the ankle back in. He will be back on the court. So shout out to Karis LeVert and shout out to the Nets. He was having a breakout year. He's a great player. I hope somebody tries to trade for him or they sign him to the max deal. Karis LeVert. I don't know what Brooklyn's trying to do. They have D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie. They got to pay at least one of them, you'd think. Let's take a break and then talk the championship rounds. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening to Too Legit with your host, Alex Fernandez. Make sure to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. Leave some feedback, what you want to hear and what guests you want to have on the show. And subscribe, unsubscribe, and subscribe back to the podcast and help our numbers out. Let's get back to the championship rounds. UFC Denver was this weekend. It was live and free on FS1. It was two fights that I really cared about. Donald Cerrone and Mike Perry. These guys just don't like each other. I like fights with serious beef, and there's coach beef, there's money beef, there's all this other stuff, so it was great. But in the end, Mike Perry got his arm broken. Donald Cerrone just outclassed him, and I'm down to see Donald Cerrone versus Conor McGregor next. Make that fight happen. That is a big-time fight. Cerrone gets paid. Conor and Cerrone make it happen. It's an exciting fight because the road for Conor and Khabib is not there. Conor Diaz is not there. Cerrone McGregor is a safe enough fight for Connor where he could win in, in devastating fashion. He could win with a highlight, but Cerrone is a dangerous opponent. It's just right there. It's in the sweet spot right now. I want to see it in March. McGregor, Cerrone, and then, of course, Lesnar Cormier. Main event of the evening was the Korean Zombie versus Yair Pantera Rodriguez. This was an amazing fight. It went all the way to the final second. Fifth round. It's going down. I don't know who was winning this fight. It was pretty close on the scorecards. It was the zombie versus Rodriguez. And then one second left, Yair Rodriguez threw the Mexican elbow. He threw that thing from the bottom of Mexico. I don't even know. What's the most southern city? That ball, that elbow was almost in Guatemala. He threw it from way down there. He hits him clean, flush on the jaw, and melts him. He just folds like an accordion, like paper in the wind. And the fight is over with a second left. Crazy knockout. His corner hops the cage. They're going nuts. Security cannot believe it. They don't know what to do. And it was an amazing finish. That is the wildest knockout I've ever seen. In in the UFC, one second left in a 25-minute fight. And he throws out an elbow, a chicken wing elbow that lands flush. And people are probably wondering, wow, how does that knock somebody out? The force of the elbow. The elbow is much stronger and a, a bigger bone and a pointier bone than their knuckles. And he ran into it as well. Check out the footage if you can. It's all over the internet. Shout out to Yair Rodriguez. Korean zombie, we're not even going to act like you lost, bro. That get, get back on that horse and find another top contender. Last bit of championship rounds. Let's talk Brock Lesnar, man. Brock Lesnar is out here doing his wrestling. I need my man to fight Daniel Cormier ASAP. But Survivor Series is this weekend live from the Staples Center in Los Angeles. I'm going to try and get up in there, folks. Brock Lesnar is a specimen. I want to see if he's if he's off the juice, man. I want to see if he's on the USADA program. See how skinny Brock is. Last time I saw Brock Lesnar, that guy could barely fit through a door. When I was about 10 feet away from him, he just walked by. Dude is ridiculous. I can't I want to see him. I want to see UFC Brock. I want to see UFC toned Brock in person. 
But I love how Brock Lesnar is just having a WWE title and he's going to bring that into the UFC octagon. It has to happen. I expect Daniel Cormier to be ringside as well this weekend. For all my UFC fans, do you think he sh Brock, Lesnar sh Brock Lesnar should walk in with that WWE title? And if and when Daniel Cormier wins, he walks out with the WWE title. I like to see it. I think Vince would be pissed. But that's my that's my question for today. Something new, something fresh to close the show. Once again, my name is Alex Fernandez. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and reviewing Too Legit on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to check out the video content on YouTube and Instagram. we got some Instagram heat coming all this week. And uh, yeah, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're dropping these. Take care.